Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We began our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. If you haven't been with us, we've been talking about, guess who? Jesus. Because we're always talking about Jesus. And we've been talking about Jesus as King. And so far, we've seen the King's power over disease and sickness and the King's power over nature because the King has all power. Jesus has all power and all authority. Amen, saints? All power and all authority. And this morning, we're going to see that power exercised over demons. I love this chapter. I was excited to get here today to preach this chapter because I love this story. It's a graphic picture of sin and of Satan and of demons and and what they can do in the lives of people. But this story is also a graphic picture of what the Savior can do to transform people's lives and change their lives and take their lives and make something usable out of their lives. And that's what I love about this story. It's a great story. God can reach anybody. If you agree with that, say amen. God can reach anybody. How do you know, Rodney? Because he reached me. And if you're a Christian, you know how bad you were. He reached out to you. And he can reach anybody. So here in Matthew chapter 8, now we're going to do something here. You got your finger on Matthew chapter 8. Put your finger also in Mark chapter 5. Because what we see is this story is recorded in what is known as the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And each of the writers of these three synoptic gospels records the same story, but just from a different perspective. And it's my humble opinion that in the gospel of Mark, Mark records the story and he kind of really zones in and gives us some details that the other writers, the other stories do not give us. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to reference quite a bit to Mark chapter 5. Got a pen? Get it ready. I'm going to reference quite a bit to Mark chapter 5. And then later on in our study, we're going to turn to Mark chapter 5 and see a few more things that I think that you'll be interested in. So here in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 28, saints, if you're there, say amen. And when he had come in verse 28 to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes. There met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. 
And suddenly they cried out saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. And so the demons begged him saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he, Jesus, said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Wow. Jesus had done a great miracle. He delivered a man who had been demon-possessed all of his life. And the people, they asked him to leave the city. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Now, if you've been with us, you know, early on in this chapter, listen, early on in this chapter, the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee. And a storm began to rage. Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. And they began to become fearful of the storm. And so they woke Jesus up and they said, Lord, we're perishing. And he woke up and he said to his disciples, he said, why are you so fearful? Oh, ye of little faith. And then he stood up and he rebuked the winds and he rebuked the waves and he calmed the sea. And the disciples saw his power over nature. And now they go from the storm on the sea to the storm on the land because they were confronted now by two demon-possessed men. And obviously, listen, obviously the disciples were not there with Jesus. At the time that the demon-possessed men came to Jesus, the disciples, they obviously saw these demon-possessed men and they ran away. Now... I completely understand that. I don't want anything to do with demons. Don't want to be near them. But Jesus didn't run away. Because Jesus never runs away from people who need him. From people who come to him. And so Jesus stood there and confronts these demon-possessed men. Now, got a pen? Write this down. Two dangers I want to give you. Two dangers. Number one, the danger of denial. There are some people who say that there's no such thing as evil spirits. There's no such thing as the devil. There's no such thing as demons. There's no such thing as the evil, evil spirits, they say. Well, the Bible is very clear from cover to cover. In Genesis chapter 6, these demon angels are called the sons of God. In Genesis 6, in the beginning. And in the end, you fast forward to Revelation chapter 16, and the Bible calls these demons frogs. They look like frogs. And everywhere in between, the Bible is very clear. There is a real devil, and there are real demons, and there is a real evil spiritual world. 
There's a danger of denial. Secondly, there's a danger of going to the other end of the pendulum and going overboard. As many, many Christians today I have seen have gone overboard and they're enchanted and enthralled and fascinated with demons and they develop an unhealthy interest in demons. And they focus on demons. And everything, good or bad, is the devil. There's a demon behind every bush. If you're having car problems, there's a demon in your motor. You know, you got light problems. Man, a demon in the light bulb. Let's cast out the demons. And and there's an unhealthy fascination with, I see it in the church often, with that which is demonic and that which is evil. And instead of demon possession, many Christians even are demon obsessed or demon obsession. We need to keep the balance. You got to watch out and don't go to extremes. Yes, demons are powerful beings, but at the same time, we have got to keep our focus on the Lord. Amen, saints? Very, very important. Now, Who are demons and where do they come from? Well, the Bible is also clear about that. Demons are angels who fell with Satan. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 14, it reads, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And I will be like the most high God. These are known as the five I wills of Satan. Pride. Pride? Yeah. What letter is in the middle of the word pride? I. And what letter is in the middle of the word sin? I. And so here we have Satan's pride. Because of his pride, the Bible says that he was kicked out of heaven. And then you go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, read it in your own time. The Bible then tells us that the dragon, who is the devil, when he was kicked out of heaven, get this, with his tail, he gathered a third of the angels of heaven with him, and they were cast down to the earth. Satan drew a third of the angels with him to the earth. And then 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and Jude 6 tell us that those same demons are being reserved in, in hell, locked up in the abyss, waiting for final judgment. Now watch this. During the tribulation period, all hell breaks loose. As you know, if you've heard our teaching in the book of Revelation. And it is during the tribulation period of which I do not believe the Bible says that Christians are going to be here. Christians, I believe, will be in heaven during the seven years of time of Jacob's trouble, the Bible calls it, or the great tribulation. But it is during the tribulation that for five months, get this, God is going to open up the abyss. And those angels, these angels were so evil and so wicked when they came down to the earth, when Satan swooped them down and they came down to the earth, they were so evil and so wicked, 
God had to lock them up, put them on lockdown for five, for, for, for all this time, even today, but, but had to put them on lockdown because they were so evil and so wicked. But during the tribulation for five months, the Bible says that God is going to release them. And during that time, during those five months, the Bible is very clear that men, their torment will be so evil and so horrible that men will seek to die and death takes a vacation. Death is on a holiday. People will take a gun and blow, try to blow their brains out and the bullet will not kill them. They'll cut themselves and try to commit suicide because of the torment of these demons, but they will not be able to die. Death will flee. And that will take place during the tribulation for five months. But here's the deal. For five months, five months, and that's it. Not six months, not five and a half, but five months. What does that tell us? That tells us that God is even in control of the demons. Amen? Even when things seem out of control, God is in control of the demons, not Satan. Now, how many times have we all heard that Satan is the opposite of God? I've heard that a lot. People say, well, what's the opposite of God? And people say, Satan. Listen, let me tell you, Satan is not the opposite of God. God has no opposites. Satan wishes he was the opposite of God. God is God all by himself. Do you understand that God is God and God stands alone all by himself? God has no opposites. God is omnipotent. Meaning, meaning that God has all power. Satan's power is limited. God is omniscient. Means that God has all knowledge. Satan's knowledge is limited. God is omnipresent. That means he can be everywhere at once. Satan cannot be everywhere at once. Satan cannot be in Apex and in Raleigh at the same time. Say amen if you live in Apex. No, I'm just kidding. I love y'all if you live in Raleigh. I'm just, just a little joke. But he can't be everywhere at one time. God is uncreated and the master of everything. Satan was created. God has no opposites. And to say that Satan is the opposite of God gives Satan undeserved glory. And many times I hear Christians, and it is sad, giving Satan undeserved glory you know people say well how you doing bro well satan's attacking me really how's things going well the devil's all over me you know very few people quite honestly very few people have come in contact with satan very few but we blame everything on him and he probably has a big head by now satan's like yeah 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 keep saying it's me yeah tell me more tell me more People like, Satan did this, and Satan did that, and Satan did this, and Satan did that. To say that Satan is the opposite of God is to give Satan undeserved glory. Satan would be more the opposite of Michael the archangel, but never with God. Because God is God, and God is God alone. There's none like him. There's none compared to him. There's none that can even compare to him. There's nothing like him. He is God. He's the one that spoke and everything you see is coming to a being. Satan can't create something from nothing. 
God created the earth from nothing. This pulpit was created from something, a tree. But God, who made the tree? God. He is God all by himself. Now notice in your text, in verse 28. Notice Jesus has come to the country of the Gergesenes. If you write in your Bible, you could write this on the side. This is also the area of the Gadarenes or the area of Gadara. It's also known as the Decapolis, which means ten cities which were populated by the Jews. It was when the Jews came back into the land after the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. And many of these Jews stayed in this area of Gadara and they formed ten cities. And these Jews, while in the area of Gadara, they went into the pig business. Isn't that interesting? And they wasn't even supposed to get near pigs. They wasn't supposed to eat pigs. Here they were... Eating pigs and in the pig business, they probably had a big old honey-baked ham. It's like they weren't supposed to be doing that, but they did. It's in this area that Matthew tells us that two demon-possessed men came to Jesus. Now, when you read the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke, you will see that it says that one demon came and spoke to Jesus. Here, Matthew says it was two. And how many people, they'll say, well, you see, the Bible has contradictions. Here's one of them. I'll tell them, you know, I've been studying the Bible for almost 22 years now. And I have never seen a contradiction in the Bible. Never. And if you believe or you think that there's a contradiction in the Bible, then there's something that you're doing wrong in your study. Because the Bible has no contradictions. And this is not one of them either. The truth is, it's very possible that one of them is more severe than the other, as we'll see in our text. One of them is more vocal than the other, and so the story centers around the one. It's not contradictory, it's actually complementary. So Jesus goes out of the boat, and he's confronted with a demon-possessed man who comes to Jesus. Now, let's just get this out there, okay? And put it to rest. How many times have we all heard Christians can be possessed by demons? Have you ever heard that before? Okay, good. Well, that's some of y'all and most of you seem to not have heard it. And that's good because it's not true. Christians cannot, absolutely cannot be possessed by demons. The truth is, if you, we are the temple of God. And if the Holy Spirit lives with inside of us, then Satan and God cannot dwell in the same temple. Therefore, it is, listen, it is impossible for a Christian, a true born-again Christian, to be possessed by demons. Now, I bring that up because there are people, there are whole ministries out there, they call themselves deliverance ministries. And it is their intent, it is their purpose as people come to them for various problems. They'll say, if you have a problem with anger, then you have the demon of anger. If you have a problem with lust, then you have the demon of lustful thinking. If you have the problem with drunkenness, then you have the demon of alcoholism. If you have the problem with with chocolate, you have the demon of Godiva. I mean, anything will do. 
If you've got any struggles in your life, nicotine, homosexuality, whatever it might be, whatever your struggles is, they tell you that it's a demon and you need to be exercised or you need to be delivered from that demon. Let me tell you something. The Bible does not teach that. And as a matter of fact, here's your homework. Galatians chapter 5, when the Bible talks about the works of the flesh, the Bible says the works of the flesh are these. And it starts to list some of these sins in our lives, which the Bible doesn't call these demon possession. The Bible says that is just your flesh. And you need to bring your flesh into obedience and subjection to the will of God and mortify the deeds of your flesh, not go to a deliverance service to be delivered. Because the truth is, the next day, give it a week. It doesn't matter what service you went to or what demons you think were casted out. When you are done, you will still have a sinful nature and you will still have to every single day wake up and say, God, I want to serve you you and God I don't want anything to do with anything that's going to keep me from serving you that's going to keep me from loving you that's going to keep me away from you therefore I don't want to serve my flesh I want to serve you we are talking about a choice not a a choice to be obedient not demon possession amen saints we're talking about a choice now I got to make a choice to serve God i got to make a choice to bring my flesh into subjection and obedience to God. And I think that too often in the church today, we don't want to take responsibility for our actions. And so we say with Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it, honey. Well, wait a minute. Did he? Or are we just not taking responsibility for our actions, thinking we can take the easy way out and go and get our, a demon exercised and cast out? It's awful. It's not biblical. No way, no shape, and no form can a Christian be possessed by a demon. Oppressed? Yes. Depressed? Yes. Possessed? No. Because a child of God is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus' work on Calvary's cross was sufficient for any deliverance. And if you have a problem in your flesh, then you need to go to the cross. And so this demonized man, he comes to Jesus. Now, here's a few, a thumbnail sketch of this demon-possessed man. A thumbnail sketch. Notice, you want to notice in your text, in your Bibles, that he lived among the tombs. Or... This man lived in a graveyard. He lived in a cemetery. He lived among the dead. He was the living dead. Do you know that's a picture of every Christian? Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. That was us. Before you were a Christian, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. This man lived in a cemetery. He lived in a graveyard. He lived in a tomb. Notice also Matthew tells us that he was exceedingly fierce. In Mark chapter 5 verse 4, this man, Mark chapter 5 verse 4, tells us that this man was bound in chains and this man was bound in shackles. 
He had shackles around his wrist, shackles around his neck, shackles around his, his feet and his ankles, and chains wrapped around his body. And the demon power was so strong that he had this supernatural, superhuman strength to snap the shackles and snap the chains. This man is a community problem. He's nuts. When the police get a phone call with a man like this, they call it a 5150. If you're a police officer, you know that. They call in a 5150. That means this man was emotionally and mentally deranged and insane and could not be controlled. Now, it's fascinating to me. This is fascinating. Here, this man has this awesome physical power, this awesome physical strength, and yet he is 100% powerless when it comes to spiritual strength. Isn't that interesting? And I go to the gym from time to time. And, you know, they, they, you know the gym, they got these, some of these guys are just huge. I don't know what they're injecting or taking, but they're, they're just, some of these guys are huge. I mean, they got these huge muscles, these huge pecs. And just the other day, I was standing around talking to a couple of these guys, and they were, I'm no, I'm no small guy. These guys were humongous. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.